Welcome, everyone, to All About Windows Phone. This is Insight Podcast 170, recording this on 18th of February 2016. I'm Steve Litchfield, and with me I have Rafe Blanford. Yes, hello, everybody. Time for another All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast. The numbers are really racking up, and I've managed to do two weeks in a row this time, which is great. Yes, although you, we probably won't be here next week. We're hoping to have another special guest in, because you'll be treading the halls at Mobile World Congress. And I'm assuming, Rafe, to, now we've had the Lumia 650, which more in a moment, um, that's probably it for certainly a few weeks or months in terms of the Microsoft first-party hardware. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing there might be perhaps a Microsoft stand with some Continuum demos and, and of course, some third-party Windows 10 mobile hardware that you might come across on. Yes, that's right. I mean, I guess as we talked about last week, there are still a couple of devices that have been rumoured and the 650 XL or whatever it ends up being called is is still out there. And I wouldn't expect that to be that far away if it is indeed, you know, still coming, hasn't been cancelled. And I suppose there's a small chance it could, you know, come out during MWC. But realistically, I think it's going to be about some of the partners for Microsoft. I absolutely expect there to be, you know, a reasonable size stand there. Um, it will presumably be the ex Nokia devices stand. I haven't actually looked at the uh, show floor map for this year, uh, but they've always had a big presence. And last time around, there was much more of a kind of Microsoft presence in terms of some of the things like Office 365 and Xbox and some of those elements. So I, I, I suspect we'll see that thing again. And it'll be interesting to see whether Microsoft also shows off some of its Android and iOS things as well on the stand. Because, of course, it's been there's been a lot of activity in that space with uh, Cortana, with Outlook, you know, the various acquisitions of things like Accompli and Sunrise. Um, you know, SwiftKey won't be there, but all of that kind of pattern of things. So I'll certainly report back on on that. And also, as you say, there may well be some kind of third-party manufacturers of Windows 10 mobile devices. Um, you know, we've seen the things from uh, Sony, for example, a lot of the Japanese uh, manufacturers, although I should say it's Veo rather than Sony. There's a slight distinction there. Mm. And, you know, Acer have done some in the past. So I wouldn't be that surprised to see a couple more of those devices, uh, um, you know, either get announced or certainly some of the existing ones be on show. And it'd be a good chance for me to go and yeah. and get some hands-on time with those and, and, and see what I make of them. And yes, you, you, I'm sure Continuum will be being featured heavily and all that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, MWC can always surprise, so you never know. And, of course, there will be um, plenty of flagship announcements from the likes of LG, Samsung, Huawei, ZTE, and all of those. So um, we'll look forward to having a look at some of those and, you know, we'll, again, report back on, on some of those uh, in due course as well as all the other big things coming out of MWC. I suspect you'll be talking about more than just just hardware. It always used to be we look forward to the big smartphone announcements, but equally now it's some of the accessories around it. I'm pretty sure VR is going to be a big thing this year, um, but it'll be interesting to see what else has moved on and you know what else people are talking about. Yeah, I did see some uh, leaks before uh, this month, something coming from Hewlett-Packard or HP. There was the, there was the, the code name Falcon, and there was a, a a model, a smartphone model with the Elite branding. Now, this is all very very tenuous. I haven't even written it up as a story because I thought it was just <laughs> not enough facts. But do please look out for anything with an HP badge, and do see if you can get to the bottom of that one because that that was reckoned to have true flagship specs. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see if anything like that emerges. I mean, it makes sense maybe for some of the enterprise players to do something there. And we have seen just the first signs of 
kind of Windows 10 mobile tablets and it's the seven inch devices that have previously been running kind of full Windows 10. And in one sense, that's quite attractive, but also running Windows 10 mobile is also interesting because actually the screen size makes more sense with the the user interface you typically get on the you know windows 10 mobile so certainly quite a few things to look out from from a microsoft point of view i don't think it's going to be like the old days where we used to see you know flagship announcements from Nokia. even that didn't happen every year um, but it's always one of the big events in the mobile calendar it'll also be interesting just to see what people you know the talk around windows 10 mobile as we talked about in the last podcast there's been a lot of negativity around but also i think people acknowledge that microsoft is very much now a player in the software side of the mobile space so see how that plays out it's always a great opportunity to meet lots of other you know bloggers journalists uh, industry veterans and you know, see what they're saying what's you know crossing their agenda and i think that's probably one of my favorite things about the event it's an opportunity to catch up with those people and just kind of cross pollinization of all of those ideas and chat back and forth um, and so I'll, I'll try and synthesize some of that and share it on a future podcast. Yes, yes. You don't need to reply to this bit, Rafe. But uh, we, we have mentioned numerous times on the podcast of talking about Microsoft's plans for smartphone hardware, that it was very much with the 950, 950XL, almost like the, the, the Nexus program with Android, whereby it's showing you how the platform can be implemented on smartphones. And I think we're going to see more of that going forward, and hopefully you can spot some so third-party hardware scene come to, rising to grow and fill the gap created as Microsoft kind of scales back its ambitions in terms of first-party hardware. But more of that after MWC when you come back and we can fire, fire questions at you. For now, we have the news of the Lumia 650 uh, launched a few days ago. Um, just to take some basic specs, 5-inch, 720p screen, 16 gig of memory internal, which is nice to see. We thought it was going to be 8. Uh, only a gig of RAM, but hey, it's a Snapdragon 212 chipset, which I haven't seen before. But So low end, but quad core and up to 1.3 gigahertz. So it will work okay. Um, 8 megapixel camera, 2000 milliampere battery, but it is replaceable. Plus the back cover can be swapped out as on the 950 and 950XL. Only micro USB charging and data, so no chance for a wired continuum. And probably not wireless with that chipset. Um, the big feature though here, Rafe, apart from all that, um, which will presumably work pretty well, as indeed, you know, things like the 830 did before it, um, in the previous generation. The big feature here, of course, is the build and, to, and the, and the, the feel in the hand. Now, we have got one arriving at all about Windows phone towers tomorrow morning so hopefully the review will be up in a few days but it's kind of um, a premium metal chassis and uh, a, ni- a nice f- finish all round plus a front facing speakers there's there's still quite a lot to look forward to even if the baseline specifications on paper don't look very exciting yes i mean it, it's a really interesting devices because i think there's two ways of looking at it. you can kind of take the glass half full approach and say that you know it's very attractive it's got a good design quality it's and i would argue moving on quite considerably from the 950 and 950 xl especially given the price point and so for enterprise users very attractive to kind of get that essential feature set and you know you look at it in terms of screen resolution the camera all, all the stuff it ticks all the boxes for you know, what i'd call a, a good experience on a smartphone and there are a lot of people who are maybe on something like a, a 535 who will go yeah, this is going to be a nice upgrade for me. And of course, the fact that it runs Windows 10 Mobile out of the box you know, is, uh, is always going to be welcome versus the in-place updates. It just feels like it's a bit more reliable. If you're going to be a bit more pessimistic, you know, the price point is quite easy to criticise. £160 here in the UK, I do think that will come down. But given the specs on paper, that feels uh, you know, a little expensive, um, especially when you compare it to what's going on in the Android world. 
that said, you know, it's really only about the uh, Snapdragon 212 processor. I think everything else you could probably justify at that price point, at least to some extent. And honestly, we don't know how that's going to operate. So, you know, that's one of the things we'll look out for in the review. I suspect, as always, uh, Windows 10 Mobile will do slightly better on the low-end hardware than, than people maybe anticipate. And, you know, for people who are buying this sort of phone, they're probably not that caught up on performance in the sense of, you know, they won't go, oh, no, that's going to be a rubbish processor. They'll just care what the actual experience is like um, rather than what, you know, the theoretical or the fact that it's half as slow as, say, a Snapdragon 400 or 600 or whatever it happens to be. Um, I, you know, as I said, I think the price point is the, is the issue there if you're looking at it um, negatively. I suppose the other thing is it doesn't feel quite like a member of the uh, sort of 600 series, you know, the 630, the 635, then the 640 subsequently. Um, I'd expect something in that family maybe to just have a slight, slightly bigger bump on the specification sheet. But as I say, I, I'm willing to criticise it too much until we've we've had a go with one. Um, and you know. It's a great kind of compliment, if you like, to, um, you know, the other low-end Windows 10 mobile devices, you know, in the 500 series from Microsoft and from various other third-party manufacturers. Um, it does make me wish for something in the 7 or 800 series, but I don't think I should actually hold that against the, the 600 itself because, you know, it, it's of its spec and of its kind of point in the uh, in the family, in the portfolio products. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, Steve, but I think this is probably one of the more attractive devices um, from what we've seen in the pictures and from some of the early comments for people who've got their hands on one for a phone at this price point and, you know, certainly a step up from the sort of all plastic feel of the 630 and the 640. Not to mention the 950 and 950 Excel, it's <laughs> three times the price. Yes, Indeed. yes. No, I, I'm prepared to be, um, not quite blown away is the wrong phrase, but I'm prepared to be impressed tomorrow. Like you, I don't think the chipset is everything, and uh, we've seen quad-core Snapdragon 200 and 400 series uh, processors do pretty darn well in, in Windows Phone in the past, especially when they haven't got to drive anything more than a 720p screen. I think that's crucial. Indeed. When you haven't got huge ambitions in terms of pushing pixels around, you can get away with quite a, a lesser, a lower specification. I, I'm prepared to be impressed. Um, yeah, the 650 review will be up hopefully by Monday or Tuesday next week as we record this. Um, and so, yes, watch the space. I'll have a few thousand words up for you to read on the plane over to, to Barcelona, Rafe. Yeah. Um, now, uh, what the 107, that's a build 10586.107 of Windows 10 Mobile, the cumulative update, as Microsoft puts it, and of course this is the phrase they've been using on the desktop as well, basically this is Windows 10 as a service going forward forever. Uh, it, receding into the horizon. So, Build 107 is which has been tested on the Windows Insider program over the last uh, about week and a week, week and a half. It's now been rolling out for production Lumia 950 and 950XL devices, and I've applied it to the completely non-Insider, completely bog-standard, out-of-the-box 950 and 950XL here, and it works just fine. I even actually had to go through the hard reset and. Uh, process i the out of the box experience with the 950 here at brave because i was switching it from one user account to another from my uh, microsoft test account to my real one um and uh, so i was i got just to enjoy i'll put that in quotes to enjoy the experience that a, a brand new user would get taking the 950 <laughs> out of the box and to be fair it's fine it leads you through the usual setup screens wi-fi signing in um would you like to restore a backup from previous device i chose yes um and that all worked fine. You then get to a start screen, but obviously a lot of the things are kind of greyed out. 
and then you swipe to the, to the one side, and you see that an awful lot of the applications say pending. Okay, so even a new user will get the point at this point that there are still applications installing. What's interesting is that after about 15 minutes, once all of those pendings have now become full-blown applications and the start screen is, is filled out, all of a sudden things grind to a halt again. So as a power user, I knew what to do. I, I kind of go back into the store and I find there's a store update. I then update the store. The store then shows me um, more downloads and updates, 49 of them, 49 more updates, which then take another, I don't know, another hour, hour and a half to install. All the while the phone's not too unresponsive, but there's certain applications that... that it's patently obvious there's things going on. That's not everything's there in the application list, that things are coming and going. I do think all of these smartphone manufacturers, and it's not just Microsoft, I think uh, Google and Apple, all of us, just as just so much to blame. They should all have a, a basically a pane that comes up on the screen and says, look, this is the first time you set up this phone um, with your user ID. We are going to download updates. We're going to update all the applications. We're going to apply patches, security fixes, all works. This will take time. Go off, make a cup of tea, watch a film, go shopping, whatever. Come back, give it a couple of hours, and after a couple of hours, everything will have settled down. Because I, I just can't help but feel, especially with this brand new OS, Rafe, that uh, a new Lumia 950 or 550 or 950 XL owner will, will get set up. They'll, they'll start off confidently, and about 45 minutes in, they'll be driving off down the road to the shops or something, and all of a sudden, they notice that things just aren't working right. Now, you and I would think, oh, no problem. There st it's still settling down. Give it another hour. But they wouldn't know that because they haven't been told by Microsoft. And I can't help but feel some sort of explanatory dialogue. The very first time uh, someone logs in or starts up at the phone to, to, to explain that this will take time. Does that make sense? I, I think that sounds like remarkably good common sense. But that <laughs> doesn't actually mean it's going to happen. Um, no. And I think you can look at this the the other way around in that you know doing that will just confuse some consumers and they'll complain about it not being ready and all the kind of stuff associated with that i guess this is the price you pay for separating off kind of application updates from the main uh, platform update and you know yes it would be great if you could line all those together and sort of deliver it as a package but clearly that's not as easy as with you know just describing it like that uh, and i think the the benefits you get from you know, those broken out updates is not to be underestimated. The fact that, you know, you can typically see an application, I guess it would be as many as 10 or 12 updates over the course of a year compared to just having to wait, you know, for the two or three updates that, are, are, you know, appears a part of a regular cycle. And, you know, that's even that's better than it was a few years ago. Um, but yes, it, it is a bit of a problem. I mean, like you said, it's not unique to uh, Windows by any means, although it does seem that uh, Windows 10 Mobile suffers from this in particular with just the sheer number of updates that have to be uh, downloaded. Yeah. And, you know, it's also something that people don't really think about it, but you know, they do get their phone out, they set it all up, and then it doesn't mean that they're near Wi-Fi. If they go out that morning, the phone can actually then chew through quite a bit of data, potentially depending on your settings, updating all those applications. Now, I think most people probably um, have got the default settings, which kind of mitigate against that, but won't apply to everybody. And more to the point, that instability that you're describing or kind of that lack of polish can actually last quite a bit longer until the phone next recognises that it's on Wi-Fi and it starts updating again. Uh, and so... Yeah, it feels to me like there isn't an easy solution to this because putting a big notice in place, although it's a common sense thing to do, people will just kind of balk at it and describe it as a poor experience. Uh, you, you know, as I say, you could um, go back to the bad old days and have all the update come in one and you know, 
that's going to cause an equal number of complaints. It's one of those situations where if you, you don't understand what's going on, it, it seems like there's no good reason for it. But actually, you know, it's a set of compromises. Um, you, know, you do have to look at what Apple does, and they actually manage to deliver the updates in a, a much smoother manner. Um, but then there's sort of a price paid for that in terms of some of the updates to those apps. And, you know, there's been recent discussions of Apple software quality and um, that's a double-edged coin because it's not, you know, I think there aren't any more defects or bugs in the Apple software, but because the complexity has increased, you know, there are more inconsistencies. And I think that's true on all the platforms and actually uh, Microsoft has probably been one of the best at handling, handling that consistency across all their internal apps. I think it slipped a bit, honestly, with Windows 10 Mobile. And I suspect one of the reasons for that is having all these applications sort of separated out from the, the platform means presumably there's different teams working on updating them and you don't always get quite that same level of polish. I mean, things have settled down a lot compared to kind of the early alpha and beta periods of the insider program. But nonetheless, it's sort of a bit of a frustration. And I guess it's this trade-off between, you know, software quality, consistency and stability and wanting to get new features and, the, you know, this continuous pace of development, which at the end of the day is someone who's kind of uh, into the, their smartphones. I really like to see because I always like seeing new features, but I know talking to some people, they find the continuous software update cycle to be quite wearing. And this isn't just about the platform. It's also about, you know, getting a 30 megabyte download for an app update which doesn't really appear to do anything because the feature it adds to or the thing it fixes you've never come across or as i say it's just a symptomatic of this increasing complexity um but yeah i i guess the uh painted steve litchfield dialogue saying your phone's not quite ready yet sounds like a really good idea from a (laughs) common sense technical point of view but you could also see it being a bit of a nightmare from a a marketing point of view you can bet that people jump on the stores story saying no microsoft's phones aren't ready when you get them out of the box look at this horrible experience and they haven't got the benefit of steve whispering in their ear explaining why it's like that yeah but if you look at for example updating an iphone um yes this apple bundle an awful lot more of their built-in applications into the main os image as it were so you can update an iphone and be staring at this this progress bar crawling across the screen for best part of an hour whereas you might argue well the, the windows phone will apply the update and and uh, when, you, when you first start the phone certainly and it'll be at the start screen 10 times faster but yeah. then applications are installed in the background and as you say it's very much just a different way of doing things or with windows 10 mobile i mean this is process started back in, i think it was lumia cyan or lumia denim um, where, where almost things started to be broken out of the operating system. And now just about every single application, every single settings module, almost everything now is completely separated from the core OS, which means they can be updated through the store, which is great if they want to put, push new updates and features and whatever. But it's, as you say, you say it's a, a bit of a pain really when every single thing that comes out of the box has to be updated before it's technically bang up to date. Yeah, I mean, my personal view on this is that Microsoft has the better approach because although I do think there is this pain point that we're talking about here with this experience of updates, the benefits you potentially get from having those kind of separated out, those you know apps broken out of the main platform um, is not to be underestimated in terms of the you know, speed with which bug fixes can be delivered. Now, actually, it's, it, we should probably point out that Apple is quite capable of doing the same thing and issuing individual bits of update, but there does seem to be a bit of a philosophical difference um, um, between the two. And I prefer that as, as a power user, but I accept that you know other people have a, a different opinion on that. And it's interesting, Android, I think, 
it's probably somewhere in between the two. I mean, it has gone down the, the, the road of breaking everything out and Google Play services are kind of notorious for those kind of updates. Um, and that's a good thing because actually the, it's, it's problematic as it used to be on, on Windows, getting kind of the device and the platform updates. Sometimes it's notable, for example, that Samsung have only just released the global version of um, Android 6, for example, a long time behind the Nexus devices. Um, so, you know, th- this is a, a much bigger issue and it, it feels like quite a, a geeky one to talk about and get concerned about. Um, so there are, are inherent compromises. Um, but I don't actually want to be too critical of anyone here because it, it does amaze me how easy it is to get these software updates and how much the experience of a phone can change from when you first buy it to kind of, you know, at the end of its life. I mean, Steve, I'm sure you remember going off to get firmware updates from Nokia centers. And actually, even then, it tended not to be big, big changes. It tended to be uh, bug fixes. So that's something I think we've yeah. become somewhat um, lazy and somewhat... Um, uninspired by the fact these amazing software updates do happen and i guess i still want to retain some of my wonder about that (laughs) yes as you say i used to back in the day say the nokia n93 famously it would basically have the camera application be slightly unstable so let's get this straight i would then drive half an hour to a server center i'd hand over the n93 to to an engineer i'd then go off for a walk come back an hour later and he'd still be fiddling with it I then have half an hour's drive back, and at the end of two and a half hours of my time, I'd have a slight version number bump in the camera application, <laughs> which may or may not even have fixed the problem that was there in the first place. So, yeah, we've come an awful long way. I noticed on Android, I've got uh, several Nexus devices here, and every time I turn them on, and I turn them on every couple of days, there are 20 to 30 application updates ready. So it's, this, is ha- this is common to all the smartphone operating systems, that there's just so much complexity, so much functionality, so much activity that I think users have to kind of get, get educated to the fact that whenever they pop into, pop into onto Wi-Fi on their smartphone, whenever they turn it on, whenever they're in range of connectivity, that things will happen. Things yeah. will update, things will sync, sync and, and new functionality might get pushed. Sometimes it might break things, sometimes it might improve things, but it's certainly an active world and quite exciting. <laughs> I guess um, some people would be slightly horrified by us getting excited by software apps, but, you know, that's, that's fair enough. Um, and, and like you say, it, it is a compromise, but um, that's probably enough on, on that particular uh, yeah, topic. But yeah, if you've got yeah. a strong feeling, let us know. Yeah. And just to mention, um, the uh, 10586.107, uh, as in terms of that firmware update we're talking about for the 950, 950XL and 550, is looking like a good candidate um, for over their updating of all existing Windows Phone 8.1 devices. Now, the, the last week, Gabe Owl from Microsoft, he was saying that we're in the final stages of tweaking the, the bill to find the right one that would to, to act as the baseline for pushing. And I am strongly suspect now that 107 is the one. I sound like the, uh, what's his name in the Matrix? But <laughs> the, the Lumia 640 and 640 XL should be the two, two devices that get the update first. And uh, tipsters have said February the 29th, not just because it's a special day once every four years, but uh, that does sound about right. It's about uh, a week or two after the, the pushing of this update. And of course, the, the insider's getting a hold of it. Uh, it's pretty, pretty stable 
struggle for me, and uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if if the certainly the worldwide sim free six forties and six forty XLs started getting this update. Uh, and, and was it was it eleven days time from today? So yeah, followed by the seven three five and eight thirty. So. Uh, they have been doing a ton of test rollout, Rafe. I've been noticing various reports from around the world. Just, just, just a small, small variant here and there of a particular phone at random in a random country suddenly says, "Yes, we've got the update." And uh, Microsoft has now confirmed that these are test rollouts, as we suspected. They, they basically release them for one variant um, in one country, and they see see the reaction, see how many users throw up their hands in horror and say, "Stop." stop stop it's not working for me and presumably they're monitoring the behavior of these devices and then can tweak how they uh, they approach it for the rest of the world so things are happening and yeah. february the 29th could be the day yeah fingers crossed i mean it's been a bit longer than we kind of originally estimated but as i suggested i'm um, talking about the samsung uh, devices actually these in-place updates are significantly more complex to uh, get right n- not least because you know there's so many more scenarios that you have to account for and support you know and with users data and people getting very annoyed if that update doesn't go smoothly it's it's something they absolutely need to get right and i think that's a good bet and i kind of hope it is february the 29th there's some um, some sort of elegance to doing it on a, on a special day like that but i suspect it will just be coincidence if it if it does ha- happen to hit that particular deadline yeah, yeah. Uh, now, here's a story close to your heart, Rafe, because I know you are very fond <sighs> of the publication. Yes, I hear the sigh already. Mi- Nokia Mixed Radio, it was a pet project of Nokia's, and it was a wonderful slice of innovation for its time. Um, of course, then Microsoft bought Nokia, and Microsoft already had various music services and so forth. So in the fullness of time, Microsoft then sold it to Line, a Japanese service who produced a messaging client. Uh, and a year down the, the line... <laughs> No pun intended. A year down the line after that, Line have now said they're basically going to shutter the service in a few weeks' time, which is all very disappointing. I'm sure the mixed radio employees, we hope they're going on to, to pastures new and, and something something profitable and something productive. But a great shame. It was a very innovative service, Rafe, that kind of never really found a good home. I think that's right. I mean, if I, I at first I'll try and be rational about this and then I can get all emotional and upset about it. <laughs> uh, for Line, it, it always seemed to be a purchase that you could sort of think about and justify because this was a company that had done kind of a whole bunch of services around its messaging application. And indeed, as we've talked about on the podcast in 2016, messaging is, as a platform is going to become a big thing, but they didn't seem to integrate it. And actually, it wasn't so much about delivering your own services over a messaging platform. It became much more about being an enabler for others. And that's what WeChat's been so successful and what we expect to see Facebook Messenger do a, a lot of in the future. And so in one sense, it was always slightly an oddball purchase but it was glad to you know see it get a home because incredibly talented team that put mixed radio together but i wish i could say i was more surprised by line choosing to pull the plug i suspect they want to put their resources elsewhere and i suspect that's going to be all about you know extending their existing api platform so that other services can plug into it more easily and in the fullness of time they would presumably hope that people like spotify deezer and all the other streaming music services might choose to plug into line in in some ways and whether that happens or not kind of not the point but the business strategy of line that that feels right more than that they also decided to concentrate on their uh, asian markets and their strongest in places like i think it's japan thailand indonesia and a few other markets they've not really had the traction in europe where of course you know that was probably where mixed radio was most fondly regarded i mean it also did very well in india and, and don't get me wrong actually one of the biggest things i liked about 
Mixed Radio and the team behind it, where they were very aware of the need to go out to international markets. And they were certainly industry leading in terms of music streaming and getting into those new markets. And partly backed by the fact that Nokia signed, you know, some deals very early on to do music with that and right back to the comes with music days and also as a company i think it was set up to think more internationally than some of the kind of companies that were based in either bigger markets or focused on the us and the leading european markets so all of that is kind of uh yes i can understand why it's happened i mean i will say i i think microsoft probably made a mistake in choosing to uh, dispose of it. I mean, I kind of wish they'd spun it out as an independent company and it could have then picked up VC funding and made become a, spe- uh, a competitor to Spotify and focused on its strength. Um, but also, I could make a good argument for why Microsoft should have retained it internally. I mean, the problem was it it clashed with what was then Xbox Music and has since become Groove. But the, the simple truth of the matter is music radio was a, a slicker and I feel a better experience for listening to music. The issue was it arguably missed some of the kind of the big headline subscription features of the Xbox Music Pass. I think it would have been much easier to add those into a mixed radio and the talented team would have, um, you know, produced a much more attractive experience and a, a really great UX and UI to go with it. And so, you know, I understand why it happened because the internal team at Microsoft survived and kind of the outsiders, if you like, didn't. But Microsoft made a mistake there, no question in, in my view. Um, but if I can then sort of get a little bit more emotion about it, it's one of those services I've loved from the very first moment it came out and I've been a regular user ever since. Actually, I never went for the subscription model apart from to, to try it out because the, the free service was all, always what I needed. And it was a great way to kind of discover new music. And I'm one of those quite lazy people. I don't have a particular music collection. I just wanted to have a few things on demand. And I found it was very good about kind of working out what I'd be interested in with the mix me. Uh, playlists and also if i wanted something a bit more specific there was enough playlists in there for kind of the casual user to get exactly what they needed perhaps less appeal to some of the power users i know talking to ewan and some other people they said you know it didn't quite offer the range and the depth they wanted um on those kind of automatic playlists although you know the catalog was actually very big when you look into the details um and i also think it did very well kind of making that curation available in each of the markets it was present in. And, you know, given how much curation has come to the fore in the last 12 months in streaming music, we've heard a lot about it from uh, Spotify, from Deezer, and from a lot of others as well. And Apple Music in particular, you know, playing very strongly on that. Actually, Mick Radio was years ahead of its time in realising the importance of that and actually getting local tastemakers to create these mixes for the individual markets. And sometimes that was just influencers, sometimes that was musicians, and sometimes that was people internally at the company. And they did a really, really fantastic job of that. That that alone, you know, wouldn't have been enough to make me kind of fall in love with it. But they did a really good job of the onboarding experience. And what I mean by that, you could sign up without having to enter any username or password. So it was very easy to kind of get up and running on any new device. Yet if you did put in your Nokia account as it used to be and then became a mixed radio ID, you know, you could also get this kind of mix me and this personalization back very quickly. And, you know, quite how it all, all worked, I'm, you know, I'm not okay with all the engineering details, although I do know they went through several replatforming and kind of rebuilt things in the background and moving from various different cloud services in terms of the back end that was going on, which in itself was an incredibly impressive technical achievement, particularly at scale. Uh, but also the iterations they went through in terms of the application design and the onboarding experience I was just talking about was part of that, you know, was very impressive. I think it was probably the most talented of the Nokia software development teams. It's really the only one out of 
the office service teams that really survived and flourished and they did a, a fantastic job i mean they were helped by the fact that you know it was kind of bundled with all of the uh you know symbian and subsequently the windows phone devices um and obviously later on it became available on ios and android once it went into the line ownership but nonetheless you have to admire the slickness of it and you know as i said that was a team um in bristol in the uk so another reason that i have a soft spot for them they're kind of uh, it, actually one of the very last remnants of um kind of the big nokia and symbian engineering empire that was in the uk um and they actually have a lot of history it was not just mixed radio they were actually um responsible or at least partially responsible for things like comes with music and nokia music before then which really was industry trend setting the idea that you'd move away from having a la carte music uh, purchase which you know that's when itunes ruled the day to the idea that you would have a subscription and you would get all the music you could possibly want and in some ways they were even more forward thinking bundling that cost into the device um, now people take it for granted that we have that model in the music industry but they really were there before anyone else and uh, you know they deserve a great deal of credit for that and i don't think you know they they, they got that credit that they deserved and i think for mixed radio kind of the shame of it is that they were kind of put in the shadow by the decline of nokia and i think in other circumstances you know they could have been a name that was as you know big as uh, spotify and synonymous with that innovation in the music streaming space um i know from having spoken to some of the engineers there that technically they were a very very capable team as well um i also have to give a shout out to their kind of pr and their comms team who did a fantastic job keeping in touch with us and it's partly i guess one of the reasons i like them but you know <laughs> all credit to them for doing that um and dean who was always very uh, visible on twitter i mean i'm sure it'd be the first to say he was the part of a, a bigger team but it was always a pleasure to meet up with all the mixed radio people um at various events and they were always um, if i may put it this way they were one of the more alternative slightly less serious teams that was always fun to go and have a, a talk to and they would happily show off the latest features of the devices but also talk about the latest things on mixed radio and you know some of the partnerships they did you know outside of the, the nokia space were you know they were a very forward-thinking really impressive team and so um wasn't quite a case of shedding a tear when i heard this news but it wasn't far off it um and and as you said you know the best of luck to all of those who who worked on it very talented team some of them have already started um the diaspora has already started that obviously will gather pace now and if you're someone in mobile looking for talented people in the west of england it would definitely uh i would recommend you have a look at some of the people who will be no doubt coming out of that that office um, so that's probably as a positive endorsement as I've ever given, but actually I really mean it because I really admire the work they did and I don't think they were uh, widely praised or widely recognised for it as they should have been. So, um, you know, if you're listening, guys, you did a really fantastic job and I think you should be really proud of yourselves. Okay, all emotional listening to that now. <laughs> but very fitting tribute there from Rafe to, yes, a, a cracking team and a cracking product and a cracking idea which lives yeah. on in our memories, yeah. So, Steve, I've got to ask you the question. I mean, it sounds a bit brutal doing this just after having said that. And I, so I actually feel, I do feel quite, quite you know, emotional about it. But it's a product I've used and continue to use. I don't really know what I'm going to replace it with, if I'm completely honest, um, because I don't think there's anything out there that had quite the same nuances because there was this you know, emphasis on what I'd call the, the free tier, which a lot of the other music services kind of offer, but don't offer that discovery of music in quite the same way. And because it was very much a mobile first service as well, which is another thing I really liked about it, by the way. I mean, uh, you, you listen to a few music things. Is there anything that you think is, you know, 
broadly equivalent or i mean what what are you using to listen to music at the moment I have to confess, uh, personally, I've I've always been a bit retro and old-fashioned, and I and I tend to buy music as uh, MP3, DRM free, free MP3s or CDs, rip them, and basically I carry around thirty right. to forty gigabytes of music. I'm not the typical user, but I will a big big but here. I'm going to read from my to-do list for next week, which I wrote a day or two ago. This is not just me sort of kowtowing to you, Ray. But <laughs> <laughs> well, kowtow away, Steve. And it reads: investigate replacements for Nokia and Microsoft Mix Radio and streaming services for Windows 10 Mobile. That is my to-do list. There is going to be an investigative feature um, sometime next week, so watch out for that. Well, I hope you come up with the answer. I mean, I've been looking into this a little bit. Um, There are other services like Spotify and Deezer. Um, As I was sort of hinting at earlier, I don't think they have quite the same discovery capability, and that's not actually something you see until you play with the services for a little while. Um, you know, obviously there is the uh, kind of Groove uh, unlimited music option, kind of the Microsoft subscription service. There's also various um, opportunities from Apple and Google. Each of those tend to have their problems of being limited to one platform. And if you know, you're like me and you want it to work across multiple platforms, um, that could be something of a, a problem. There is also things like Amazon Prime um and I'm a subscriber to that and actually get the free music. But annoyingly, it doesn't work on uh, Windows 10 mobile. So I'm, I'm definitely going to have to hunt around a bit. And I suspect I might end up falling back on, like you, having kind of a collection of MP3s. Um, and, you know, actually, I still did that anyway, because I wouldn't always use the streaming music service. And that was partly, you know, uh, being in a rural area, didn't always have guaranteed access yeah, to yeah. kind of the, the data. Um, but it's actually that discovery element. And, you know... Um, I'm sure people who are bigger music fans say, oh, you can use all kinds of things. But actually, it was kind of, it was the lazy answer in that it would just bring up a few things that were a bit different. If I heard something I really liked, um, you know, then I was able to kind of make a note of it. Um, And at one point, I actually had it going into a a spreadsheet, thanks to an if that this, then that connection actually is another good example of how the uh, mixed radio platform was actually quite forward thinking. They allowed those kind of experiments. Um, I didn't keep up with that because actually I wasn't using it enough. but, you know, that kind of thing, it, you know, if anyone's got some suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. I, I see looking through the comments on the story about this, that uh, Richard Yates is going to be, has been doing some explanation and actually asking this question. And no one seems to come up with a particularly uh, satisfactory answer. I mean, all the ones I've been talking about, like Deezer and Spotify, have all been uh, been mentioned. I mean, there are some kind of uh, streaming radio stations and iHeartRadio and various others, you know, kind of the Pandora model, which is very much around, you know, provide it with a few tracks or a few artists and it will then give you a, a, a station to listen to. But that tends to be a little bit more prescriptive in that you'll get very similar artists. It, you know, what I liked about mixed radio is it seemed to have pretty good learning on it and it, and it would just, it would just nudge you away from your comfort zone. Um, so if anyone's got any suggestions, we'd, we'd love to hear from you about that. And otherwise I will look forward to reading, uh, C's roundup and finding out what I should be, uh, switching my allegiance to. And I should just say that because I'll be writing the Lumia 650 review, you've still got a few days to get those suggestions in. So do let me know and I shall make sure they're they're part of my investigation. And just to back up what Rafe was saying about bandwidth there, yes, uh, the UK's cellular signal isn't terrific in all parts of the UK. And if you rely totally on streaming music, then you'll come a cropper sooner rather than later. And that's uh, why I tend to rely on a fairly capacious smartphone and a, a decent chunk of music that i can carry around and i absolutely know it's not going to use any data and there are going to be no buffering issues yeah and and i should say about mixed radio actually one of the 
early innovations was the offline mixes whereby you didn't have to use data you could download it over wi-fi i mean that's since come into a lot more of the music streaming yeah. services but um that the uh, I, I better not go on again because i'll just get upset again yeah, <laughs> we did promise in last week's podcast that we were going to talk about continuum and hybrids, blurring form factor boundaries. But, Rafe, I have news. Now, now while you're at MWC, our guest next week, hopefully going to be Jason Snowden. And Jason, if you're listening to this, I hope I've emailed you before you've heard, otherwise you'll probably uh, drop something on the floor. Um, you, you, were, you were very keen coming on to talk about this exact subject. So I thought, perfect, it'll be the follow-up people need to last week's podcast, and I'll have a real enthusiast talking about it. So if you've got a say on... A continue and hybrids rave then do please hold that for the week after next and you can reply to jason i i will do and i think people are tired of hearing me bang on about continuum and form facts and all that kind of thing so i really look forward to hearing from uh, jason so i will no doubt i want to stick my own oar in subsequently but i can do that in a in a follow-up podcast so i guess that's probably drawing drawing to a close for this week steve because we're just about to hit the uh, 40 minute mark or so um so you know thank you as ever for listening and thank you to my co-host steve for doing all the hard work uh, and uh, yes and uh, do please have a look at all about windowsphone.com where i continue to put up features and including one i'll just give you the title because we haven't got time to go through it but the top 10 ways to increase battery life under windows 10 mobile there seems to be so many magic runes and things you have to sacrifice in order to get good <laughs> battery life i thought i'd just get them all down on a top 10 list and even then i didn't manage it because i ended up with 12 so i put two in as ps's but uh, do go and look at the feature or at least bookmark it because if you're having problems out there as i know many people are then if you if you apply all the different things i suggested then hopefully one of them will uh, come come true for you and uh, i've been quite happy with uh, uh, the, the latest builds on the lumia 950 in my pocket at the moment but yes i'll say goodbye as well thanks ever so much for listening and we will catch you next week <laughs>